Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome back in is the... Believe in Patriots podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Brady Farkas, the Hall of Famer, the Heisman Trophy winner, the former Patriots quarterback Doug Flutie is hanging by as well. He'll be with me in a moment. And you can see if you're seeing some video highlights here, I'm at my new digs, my new radio job, WDEV Radio here in Waterbury, Vermont. So that's where I'm coming to you from. You can follow me on Twitter at WDEV Radio Brady. You can follow Doug on Twitter at Doug Flutie. The podcast is always brought to you by the by our friends at Bet Online. BetOnline.ag is the number one place in the internet universe. You want to go to place your bets on the NFL season. I'm already telling you, free money on anybody. Detroit plus three against Indy. That's where I'm going this week. So if you're into that kind of thing, which you should be because it's fun, but just do it responsibly. Detroit plus three against Indy. Detroit, sneaky good now. So uh, Patriots, on the other hand, sneaky bad all of a sudden. So we'll talk about that. And uh, Aaron, let's get to the podcast. What you're about to hear is a presentation of the Believe in Patriots podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. All the news, opinions, and insights on your six-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Now, it's your host, me, Brady Farkas, and Heisman Trophy winner, CFL Hall of Famer, and former Patriots quarterback, Doug Flutie. All right, now I want to bring in Doug Flutie, the Patriots, two and four. Doug, the uh, Doug. First off, before we get into anything, you named the co-host of the Believe in Patriots podcast with me last week, so it is official now. So, welcome to the team. Thank you so much. It's going to be fun. I appreciate what you started, and uh, hope to be a good part of it. And this will be a lot of fun all year long. Well, Hopefully definitely. The pa- if the Patriots improve, it'll yeah. be a lot of fun. <laughs> it'll be a lot of fun if the Patriots improve. We are thrilled to have you aboard, though. Thrilled to have Aaron Wells, our producer, behind the scenes as well. And, uh, Doug, also, interestingly enough, you and I, I guess, were meant to be together because your birthday, October 23rd, my birthday, October 24th. So I hope you had a great birthday weekend. Yeah, how about you? <laughs> I had a great birthday weekend as well. Wish Sunday was a little better, though, <laughs> after what the Patriots did. Now, I was thinking to myself, is there any way that I can get out of watching the second half because the first half was so bad? But I said, I got the podcast. Doug's the new co-host. I can't not have seen it, so I put myself through it. That was awful. It just uh, it got worse. And um, it's amazing how when things start to go downhill, how they snowball. And you, know, you go back to week one and how positive things looked. Even week through week three, how – the offense was moving the football and things were going in a positive direction and just how the wheels sort of fell off and it snowball rolling downhill and it's just gotten bad. You know, I thought last week, I said last week, the loss to Denver was the disheartening, was the most disheartening regular season loss I could remember. No, that's amended that statement. This was the most disheartening regular season loss I can remember. Not only were they beaten, it's one thing to be beaten. It's, an, it's even one thing to be bad. It's another thing to show no heart and a lack of toughness. And I felt like the Patriots quit on Sunday, which is something I didn't think I'd ever say. Yeah, kind of had that feel. It was, it was like no matter what you do, it's going to go bad. 
no matter how yeah. hard you try, the ball is going to pop up in the air. It's going to be picked off. Uh, you're going to – it just – it's, it's weird how that happens when you're on the field, too. But there are days, and I go back to I played a, an amazing game against Minnesota one week, five touchdowns in the first five drives. And then the <laughs> next week at Denver, it was just as bad as it was good the week before. It was horrible. In fact, you throw the interception and a pick six with 30 seconds left in the half to make it even ridiculously horrible. So it, I don't know. I It just – it's amazing when things go bad, how, how tough it is to turn it back around. Can you feel it snowballing on you? Like, do you get this kind of Murphy's Law, what can go wrong, will go wrong mentality? It really feels that way. It, it gets, it's like the weight of the world gets on your back. Um, everything you do just seems 10 times tougher. Even a simple hitch route or throw, you're happy that you completed a swing to the back and we got <laughs> five yards, you know, it's like, there are days where, where that stuff starts happening and it just feels the weight, the weight of the world is on your shoulders and you start, you just start doubting what you're seeing, uh, your ability to throw the football, you, you name it. It gets, it just gets top top and it's a mental thing that you got to fight through. Aaron, we were having a little bit of issues with our audio behind the scenes. Let me see if we can get the overall takeaway sounder going. Overall takeaway. All right, there you go. That's back. So the thing that I want to ask you, Doug, about is Cam Newton appears to be in his head. And he said as much yesterday. He said it on ESPN Radio. Aaron, let me hear Cam Newton number five. Scared? Absolutely not. Thinking, now that's something that I could, you know, probably finger point. Uh, but yet, there's no need to, to feel any type of way besides accepting all challenges and I have to get better at it, and, and, and I'm adamant about it. So Cam says that he's in his own head. He said he's adamant about getting better. Let me ask you, did you ever have a mental block when you were playing? I don't know that it's a mental block, but things just become more difficult. Even watching film, putting a game, game plan, plan together, um, memorizing a game plan, figuring some things out, it feels tougher and tougher. Um you know, it, it, you could see it in Cam's face. You could read his body language throughout the game that he was getting into that funk and that that mode of it's just not going to work. And my, my heart goes out to him because he plays tough. Yeah. Cam has played physical, running the football, putting his shoulder down, carrying the, the ball, being the leading rusher at times, you name it. But it's the, the passing game has been – a horror show lately. It's just, it's, it, he's not throwing the ball naturally. It's, it's not coming off his hand. The accuracy, to me, it looks like, and I said it last week, when you have a rotator cuff problem, yeah, it catches and grabs and the ball goes down. And you see like him throwing an out route or a hitch route that bounces five, 10 yards in front of a receiver when that's, you know, just a routine throw. And that makes me think that. Now, that could also be indecision in his head. If you're indecisive and you start to pull the trigger and you're not sure, you do that too. So uh, it could be a combination of two. It could be that he's indecisive. But um, I said it last week. I just feel like he's not throwing the ball as natural as I've seen him throw in the past. I think there's a lot of indecision too. And I think there's a lot of things – going on in his head, which is really – it's not surprising to me, but 
you know, the tape is out on him now. He's got to learn the playbook, sport offseason, no preseason, new teammates, new system, new terminology, all of the above. I think those bills are coming due for him finally. And I think that that is um, creating mental block for him. And I don't know what it is, but he just he just doesn't look comfortable and indecisive. And now now it's in his head and, and it just looks like it's snowballing. Yeah, I agree. I mean – and when you're when you're indecisive, when you're unsure of what you're seeing, uh, you're a fraction late with the ball. You're inaccurate with the ball because you're not committing to a throw. When you're throwing a ball up a seam, you have to look a safety off, know you're moving the guy, and that window's going to be there. And you turn and you just snap that throw and anticipate and put it in that window. The anticipation is gone when you start doubting yourself. The anticipation. The footwork, the accuracy all start to go because you can't wait and see it and then pull the trigger. It's too late. You've got to have confidence in what you're seeing, anticipate a throw, and commit to that throw and do it with confidence. And that's, that's when it gets ugly, when you, when you don't have that. I mean, it's hard enough when you have all that going for you. It's, hard, it's a hard game. Yeah. And um, you, you could see it in his face. You could read it in his body language throughout that game. You know, we were talking about it last week. I would utilize the no huddle. That's what I would do to help get Cam comfortable and help get the offense up tempo and get guys tired of the defense. I'm watching Monday Night Football last night and I see Jared Goff just waggle and bootleg and play action and roll right. Cam is more limited than I thought. He's very mobile in terms of he'll run the football. He is not a throw-on-the-run guy. We talked about that last week. So if they can't just do play action and get him rolling to a side to get him comfortable, what can they do? I, no huddle is the only idea I have. I like I like the idea of going no huddle because it, it, it limits that thinking time and gets you out of your head. When, when you have to do things on the fly, when, when you see teams go into a two-minute draw and it's kind of spastic at times or just in yeah. a hurry-up situation, you just become that raw athlete again and just start playing. And then the, the, the pluses of no huddle are tiring out of defensive line, tiring around the defense, getting the rhythm, all that. Um, I love uh, – I've loved over the years when the Patriots or any quarterback, but Tommy really hit, hit a lot of big plays. You do the hard play action, half roll, pull up, and you do the double move down the field or the deep crosser going across. And those types of plays, there's not a lot of thinking for the quarterback. They're usually max protections where you're not going to get overloaded. There's really just two or three receivers, and it's going to happen down the field. So there's not a lot of overreading the coverage. Yes. And 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 you can you can go to an area and go deep to short and have a one-two read. He did and, and one of the interceptions he threw late was uh, just a deep post that the corner ran down like a punt and, yep. and intercepted deep, right? I saw the same thing Cam saw on the replay. The sit, there was an in route on the other side. You got a post on the right. The safety sat flat. The safety eyed the in route. Cam felt, okay, he's sitting flat. I got a shot at a big one. And I, I was saying that when he throws the ball down the field that I feel like he's, he's not throwing the same way. He's catching. He's not getting the ball he actually stepped in that throw nice. He turned it loose and let it fly. But what happened was at the last instant, when he thought that post was going behind that safety, safety did a center field turn or got back and was in position to make a play. Now, all of a sudden, Cam got just on the release point. He sailed it to get away from that free safety, 
which gave the corner who was on an outside technique and running the opportunity to catch the ball because what you do is you throw the receiver across the field behind the safety. He couldn't do that anymore. He had to throw it up the field, which allowed the corner to make a play on the ball, ran it down, intercepted it. So there in reading it out, you saw he I think he saw the right thing. There was an opportunity there, but it was taken away and it was too late when he made that decision. What I like what you just said is that it takes away the no huddle would take away the multiple reads. And I feel like with Cam in his own head, think about all this stuff. We keep hearing he's having trouble processing. Well, if we take it back to what a more collegiate style offense is, all we keep hearing of college offense, one read out, one read out. That's what I'd want to see at this point. Well, it's it's a little more difficult in the NFL because you'll get a bigger mix. And the, the, the one area that really makes you think at a, at a quarterback position, which is the most, the most thinking isn't the read and progression as much as it is pass protection. Are we protected? Do I have to check this? Do we have to get in or out of this play? Do I have to check the protection inside? All those looks. And with new terminology and new looks every week, that's the learning curve. That's the, that's, that's where the veteran guy, you know, where, where Tom, even Tom, you know, we talked about it with that fourth down mix up. Yeah. You know, I, I attribute that being in a new offense and having other things to think about at that time, that, that those, that it allows for something like that to happen. And, and Cam's in a situation where he's doing a lot of thinking because it's not instinctive all the time because it's new stuff. I'm willing to give Cam a lot of the same excuses that we're talking about, new offense, short preseason, et cetera. If it's so hard for him, why is it so easy for Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and these guys that are on bad teams that are rookies that have never seen an NFL defense? That's the only thing I can't come up with an answer for. I watched Joe Burrow throw for 400 yards the other day, and it looked fairly easy at times against a decent Cleveland defense. Why can't the Patriots do that? Joe Joe Burrows is a pure thrower, and he's a pass game guy. His his college offense was a pass game oriented thing, and he's he's reading down the field, and he's he was going through all those progressions and everything. I don't know how much he did in college with pass protections. Yeah, usually a lot of that is done from well pre snaps from the sideline. He probably adjusted protections quite a bit um, in college as well. But again, it's new terminology, and you're shifting protections and doing those things. And uh, when I don't know. I agree. That's it. That's a good question. But, you know, Joe's at that level. He's a cerebral kid. He's a kid that I, you know, when I sat, I sat with him at Heisman and Hmm. uh, we were talking football a little bit and I couldn't, his dad was actually a CFL, a former CFL football player. So his dad and I had a little in common. We were chatting it up a little and I couldn't really get Joe's attention. When I got, when I got Joe's attention was when we really started talking X and O's. When I talked to him about protections and things like, like Joe, it seems like he that's where his comfort zone is. He wants to talk X and O's. Hmm. Did this is a dumb question? As I'm watching Mayfield and Burrow, two Heisman winners, is there such a thing as the Nissan Heisman House? And have you ever been to it? <laughs> in a way, there no. In reality, no, there is not. Okay, but what they do is rent the same house every year to film the commercials. Okay. So you could say, yes, that is the Heisman house, and we go there every year. Um, I haven't done the commercial in about two, three years. Uh, I did a, like a handful of years in a row. I'm kind of, I think I'm on the getting phased out group, and the younger guys are starting to take over. They still mix an older guy in there once in a while. Um, but we had a fun one we did with the flu. Yeah, the one year they did, 
we did one. There were a few that I was involved with. And then the next year, the year that I was not involved, they did it in George. Um, George Rogers is eating a bowl of fruity flakes. <laughs> and and the guys are like, dude, those are 20 years old. And he looks at them, double tape, not tape seat. <laughs> so even though I wasn't there in person, I was there in spirit. What an elite fraternity that must be. Aaron, give me the number two sounder. I want to uh, I want to get my second takeaway for Doug here. Number two. The Patriots offense is boring, Doug. It's boring. And I'm watching Jimmy Garoppolo, a guy that people got questions about. 103 of his 275 passing yards went on passes behind the line of screen. He's just dumping the ball off behind him and letting guys run. The Patriots can't. Somewhere in there, Josh McDaniels is a genius, I'm told, but I am not smart enough to understand where the genius is because I look at an offense and I say it's boring. Well, I think we saw it week one. We saw what Cam was good at. Cam was good at doing the zone read type of stuff, RPO type of stuff, and running the football himself and then hitting some short throws and moving the football. And that's what he did. When you are a downfield passer, when you run a full pattern and it's front side, backside, deep to short, bring it backside on the different coverages and make it like a universal route. Now you're making people turn and cover that in route. A linebacker get extra depth to worry about the seam route. Um, and all of a sudden that check down is open. You, you come down, check it down. The back hits a crease. He gets 12 yards. Um, that's, and that has not really ever been Cam's forte. Cam's forte is uh, quarterback run stuff, zone read type of stuff, Get the, use him as a runner, and then play action off of that. Hit some sh- he, he used to hit shots. And yeah. that, that's the part that's missing. If you're going to do all that, that run stuff, you've got to hit some shots. He had a corner route that was open, he, um, and he actually overthrew that one. When he's been missing lately, it's – it's been short, like the deeper throws, he's just missed them short. And that one, he had a guy running on a nice corner route and wide open, and he overthrew it, which was kind of a novelty because the ball came out of his hand kind of nice. But um, the accuracy down the field has not been there. It feels like then McDaniels is genius in scheming matchups, something that the average fan wouldn't see. Because when I watch McVay and I watch Shanahan, I'm like, that's what I like. That's what I see bells and whistles, and the fan is impressed by it. I think he's limited. I think he's limited in what he can do with Cam at quarterback right now. And I don't know whether it's just Cam's not good at that stuff or there's a problem. And that's, you know, everybody was griping and complaining uh, when Cam didn't get signed or Cam signed for minimal money because it was a risk. It's a risk coming off an injury. Now, he may be perfectly healthy. I don't know. Um, But with Cam – comes the bonus of, of doing some of that quarterback run stuff that's very difficult to stop but you're limited in other areas sometimes and right now he's not doing that other stuff well and so the stuff that Tommy did some of it I'm sure Cam can do and throw the ball up the field I want to see that I want to see I, I think Josh McDaniel is going to have to go to more of a downfield or or normal drop back passing scheme and open this up a little bit to back people off and, and get guys off the receivers and, and to be more dangerous offensively. 
Patriots are in an unfamiliar position at two and four. Trade deadline is coming up just next week as we take this at the week from today. What's the trade deadline like for an NFL player? Is it stressful? I not not like it is in baseball. Yeah. Football, it doesn't really happen. Um, usually trades happen when there's a disgruntled player or or something of that nature. Very rarely it's because of a need, or from what I've seen. Yeah. Where in, base, where in baseball People are unloading contracts and, be, okay, look, this guy may be, uh, you know, hitting 30, 40 home runs this year, but we're going to unload them because we're not in the hunt and somebody can use them. And we can get a lot of young play- – we can get some young players for them and we'll build for the future. So there's a lot that goes on in baseball. Football, the guys don't have that anxiety. You really very rarely see major trades in football. When you, the quarterback, and your team trades for draft picks, are you excited about what's coming in the future, or are you feeling that something that can help you now went away? No, that you you are worrying about winning, not even to this week, this game, not even this season. It's this week, how do we win? And if there's somebody on the street that can help you win, if there's a trade, you want to win this week. You don't, you don't get excited about it because you know what? You may not be here in the future. If you go, if you go four and 12, there's another quarterback in your spot next year that's going to be yeah. playing with those new draft choices. All right, as we get into what they're saying, Rex Ryan of ESPN, Doug, he basically said that you're seeing how good Tom Brady is and how bad the Patriots are. Do you think that this team would be much, much better with Brady than Cam or anyone else? I think with Brady, they're in the same position of uh, – of where they normally are, you know, hmm. maybe one loss, two loss to top and, and building because you're building on. I was always jealous of the fact that Tom got to play his whole career in one city, one team, one offense. And you take that offense and you build on it year after year after year. And if Tom sees something situationally, if Josh McDaniel sees, he knows he can go to something that they haven't even practiced because they've run it for 10 years and they ran it against this team last year or that team in a playoff game. And they can draw it up on the sideline and go right, right to it. They can make adjustments very quickly and easily. And Tom is that good. Tom is, uh, I go back to a game we played in Pittsburgh where, where we were getting beat up front all game long. Tom took it on his shoulders in the fourth quarter, got rid of the ball even quicker, anticipated throws even more so and completed his last 11 passes for two touchdowns, and we win the game in the fourth quarter. And it just – he has that ability. And it was funny when when, um, early in the year Tom had a rough game and I heard someone say, oh, he was a system quarterback. He was (laughs) – I'm like, system quarterback winning all these Super Bowls and going to Super Bowls and doing what he's done. Tom's exceptional. He really is. He can make the people around him. I've said it about the fact that – He's played with not a lot of superstar receivers or dominant one guy's receivers. He's got had guys that when Tom plays with him, made the Pro Bowl because Tom played with him. And and he's doing the same now over in Tampa. You know, I disagree to a degree. I think I can confidently say they wouldn't turn it over at the rate that they're turning it over if Tom was there. But we saw them go four and five down the stretch last year with the same cast of weapons. I don't think that this offense around Brady would have been good enough either. They wouldn't turn it over as much, but 
I think this team's pretty limited offensively. Last year, when I think about it, they blocked four punts. They had multiple pick sixes. They did a lot of other special things that helped bump up last year that I don't know that you could replicate. I'll give you that. I, I, I thought at the end of last year, they weren't as explosive. And a lot of that, to me, comes down to having explosive receivers. And Tom went to more of an efficient passing game, and it really became that short passing game. It became balls out of his hand of 1.6, 1.8. And, and that, that'll march. You can move the football doing that, but you got to be really good doing it all the time. Aaron, give me the notable sounder. It might be big, it might not be, but it caught our attention. One big note from the game. I thought this was fascinating. The Patriots say it's coincidence, Doug. Cam Newton has thrown two passes to the right in the last two games. He will not throw to the right side of the field. And they say it's coincidence. Cam says he's healthy, but... He threw 15 passes the other day, and he threw however many against Denver. Only two of them have gone to the right. I don't, I can't account for it. It might be notable, but I thought it was interesting. Okay, now I'm going to have to look at his body language on those throws. Um, when you throw to your left, you have more, mo- like more momentum. Your hips mm-hmm. you use a little more body, and, and you're opening up, and you're firing. When you're going to the right. You're from a open position already and stepping to the closed position. It's a little different, but um, I don't – that's got to be a coincidence because that can happen. I mean, it just ends up maybe they, they were on the right hash a lot and called formations to the left, and I don't know. Um, I'll have to go back and, and look, take a good look at some of those throws. But um, I've always you know, I've been saying it for three weeks that I, I worry about his throwing motion and the way he's releasing the ball, but um I don't know if it physically was something throwing left or throwing right, if if he's more comfortable throwing left um or if it's just the reads took him there. You were on that first, by the way. After this week I saw everybody asking if Cam was hurt. So you were saying it before anybody, <laughs> and people this week were wondering. Yeah, you put something out there, people are gonna jump on it and look for it too. And it just you know, it's the inaccurate throws for no reason at times. That's what killed me. That, you know, seeing him see see a hitch route, see a guy right there on a curl route, an easy, relatively easy throw, and bounce the ball five feet in front of him. Um, that's not normal for an NFL quarterback. And and I always go back to watching Cam in college. Like I national championship game, I'm watching him warm up. He's on one knee throwing the ball 60, 65 yards, just flicking a wrist and that thing coming out. And mm-hmm. that's what I – that's the impression I have of Cam. And to see him struggle with certain throws, um, I, don't, I don't understand it unless there's something wrong. One of the things I've always admired about pro athletes is self-awareness, guys who have it. A lot of times the guys who are top athletes don't. They don't want to admit when they're not that guy anymore – did it ever turn up? Now you you defied logic and played into your mid forties. Did was there ever a moment for you where you thought, okay, I can still do this, but it's different than it once was? Um, I didn't really come to that realization. I knew in my last my last season. Well, when I was forty two, my back started bothering me. Yep, and I couldn't rotate quite as much, and I couldn't just snap a throw 50 yards, 60 yards down through a field. I had to make sure I had my feet under me to make that kind of a throw. Um, 
But my last year, definitely, I had a, something going on with my knee as well. When Tom was playing, I was just backing up. And I would even go out in pregame and jog down the field, and I could feel it. And it was like, you know, if, if I needed to play that year, I could have played a game here, a game there. If I had been the starter for six or seven weeks, uh, it wouldn't have worked out, I don't think. So, yeah, there was a moment there. I think, you know what, in looking back, in looking back, though, I realized my last few years that I, when I played, I got the ball out of my hand quicker. Yeah. Took fewer hits. Um, I didn't, you know, you see Tom move and slide in the pocket and wait for something to work open and then drill it down the field. I started to worry last season because Tom was getting rid of the ball quicker all the time. And I remember I was doing that at the end of my career. Like I didn't want to get hit as much. And you didn't, you don't really realize you're doing that when you are. Um, and I, but watching Tom this year, he's doing the things he's always done as far as holding on that ball, sliding and moving in the pocket, still getting it up the field. Aaron, give me the, this makes me want to drink sounder. Let's wrap this up. The weekend is over. I thought it was drinking. Thank God. But this makes me want to drink. All right, let's wrap up the podcast with this, Doug. Coaching preparedness makes me want to drink on this Tuesday. What the hell is Cliff Kingsbury doing kicking a field goal on second and 15 in overtime the other day? Were you up watching Arizona-Seattle the other night? Yes, I was. Okay, Um, Cliff Kingsbury kicks on second and 15. They're running all up and down the field. Just get seven yards on the next play and kick it on fourth down. You'll get seven yards and seven yards and kick it on fourth down. It'll be a 20-yard field goal instead of 42, and he misses it. Here's what he's thinking. The play before – Kyler Murray was going to just usually take a knee, move the ball in the middle of the field and take a knee. He's in the gun. He goes to do that, and there's a jailbreak on the left side, and he loses four yards to get to the left hash. And he still wants to kick it. Now you're even four yards further back than you were. He, He was in a comfortable field goal range. He made the decision, I don't want to have a penalty. I don't want to have something bad happen. Let's kick it now and end this thing. It's been wild and crazy. Let's kick it now. I, I can get on board with that, but I can't. When you're going to kneel down and get in the middle of the field, get you, you've got to be able to take a snap from under center, and yeah. just move over two yards. Instead, he's in a five-yard shotgun. He moves. They lost four yards, which you know is the difference between making and missing a field goal a lot of times. But then he's still stuck with the idea of let's let's kick it anyway, and he went ahead and kicked. And then uh, it, that was the craziest. Both teams had opportunities to win the game. Both quarterbacks threw key interceptions to end the game for their team, and it didn't happen. It was that was it was wild. I don't know when forty-two yards became a chip chop, but evidently Cliff Kingsbury yeah, thought that it was. True. So I mean, when, when guys are kicking fifty-four yarders in their sleep now, I guess they figure once it's under fifty, it should be a chip shot. But no, you're right. Um, guys miss extra points like it's nothing I now, though. Say the same thing. Did, was that, wasn't there a 50-yard extra point after a penalty? Yes, yeah. I forget who it was, but they yeah. it was Detroit. Detroit beat Atlanta on a 50-yard extra point. And then Goskowski, former Patriot, he lost, you know, lost in quotes the game for Tennessee by not able to hit that last uh, that last field goal. So Patriots embarrassed. I don't know if the audience was hearing up a Doug and I dealing with some massive technical difficulties. So we're going to wrap it up here and hope that you didn't have to deal with what we dealt with. But uh, we'll be back later this week. 
and we'll break down the Bills as Doug gets a battle of head versus heart. So we'll see you again on the uh, Leaving Patriots podcast. Thanks, everybody, and go back. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.